Do you want to be the absolute best candidate for a job you'll love in a career with balance? Veteran leadership career catalyst Jonathan Flax is teaming up with leading executive search professionals to provide you with cutting-edge career transition strategies. Welcome to Career Transition Experts. And now, here's your host, Jonathan Flax. All right, Don Zinn is with us, uh, a fellow Cornellian uh, with uh, 30 years of business experience, uh, MBA from NYU, uh, 15 years as a recruiter, and also a fellow Westchester County resident. We're both the Metro New York guys. Uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Don Zinn to the Career Transition Experts. Hi, Don. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you very much. It's 30 years plus 15, so it's 45 years of business, oh. which makes me a really old dude. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that for us. So um, uh, why don't you say a little bit about, about your background and what you've you know, kind of come to distill what's important to you as a business person? So, um, you know, look, I, I came to recruiting through a little bit of a different path. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, chapter one, that 30-year block I talked about at the beginning, I spent as a serial entrepreneur. Uh, so I've started seven companies. Um, I've had three exits. I've had two really bitter failures. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, I don't think you're an entrepreneur unless you're either very lucky or you failed uh, because it's, 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 it's part, of, part of the game. Um, but I had a pretty robust business career before I got to 2005 and had sort of the first opportunity in my career to take a step backwards and, uh, and really think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my career. And, right. you know, I, I, I didn't stumble at that point into recruiting. I sort of figured out with the companies that I had built, the piece that I loved the most was figuring out how to put those puzzle pieces together to make it all fit. And that most recruiters I had worked with were really transactionally focused and typically let me down in not really adding value and helping me to find what could have been game-changing talent. And so, um, so I, I sort of built an approach to recruiting that comes out of that first big chapter of my life. And there's times uh, that I look at doing executive search, because that's how I really look at myself, not as a recruiter, but as an executive search consultant. Um, but I look at myself and I say, why didn't you do this sooner? And then I sort of remember that, you know, Moses had to wander for 40 years in the desert before he got to the promised land. So I sort of beat him by 10 years. I only had to wander for 30 years before I was ready to find, you know, the, the, the career that really I was meant to do. And I love doing search. It's, 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 it's an incredible profession. Um, and that's an interesting word to use, by the way, profession. So uh, if you're interested, I can sort of explain why. Yeah, sure. T tell us why and what you love about it. Well, look, I, you know, I, I, th I think just starting with the concept of being a professional recruiter, being a professional, you look at other professions and if you're going to be a lawyer, you have to pass a bar exam. You're going to be a doctor, you have to pass an exam. You're going to be a, uh, an accountant, you pass a CPA exam. You're going to be an architect or an engineer, um, you're going to get licensed. To be a recruiter, you raise your left hand and say, I am, and you are. And that's the barrier to entry, which means it's, it's pretty non-existent. So the professional standard for being in the recruiting game is pretty darn low. Um, so when, when, when I define myself as a professional, and this is really what I say to managers that I, that I work with, the hiring managers, but what makes me different, I, I, I do believe that I present a very different profile to 
what many recruiters represent in that I have 30 years of business experience as an operator or somebody who was hired and made good and many, many bad hiring decisions and learned how to make good hires. I have a great sense of operational success and what needs to be done. And first and foremost, it, it, it sort of helped me to build a philosophy that says, Apart from many who do recruiting, who look at it as transactional, let me flip a resume to you. Maybe I'll give you three. To me, I think, and what I've seen certainly in the middle market, you know, defined as you know, smaller, more adept companies under a billion. So not tiny companies necessarily, but you know, ten million to a billion dollar companies. When you make an executive hire, you have this amazing opportunity to make substantial change in your company. And so, you know. There are a few other times in the course of a business when making real change is as easy to do as through hiring the change agent, the right person. And so if you don't approach a hire from that perspective, you miss out on this incredible strategic opportunity. It's not just about, you know, I need a CFO, so send me some CFO resumes. It really is, and my whole approach is let's forget about the role, let's forget about the person, let's look at your business, let's understand where are you today, where do you need to be in 18 months, where do you need to be in three years, and what's preventing you now from getting there. And that delta, that defines what the search is about. And maybe it's the position you thought it was, or maybe it's a different position, or maybe it's three positions, who knows. But by going through that exercise and looking at the position, but turning it to the business instead, this becomes a highly strategic approach. And it's one that I believe if you don't take as a business, you're really shortchanging yourself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, and, 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 and by the way, um, to, to, to a great extent, the same thing goes from a candidate perspective. That's from the hiring management perspective. But if you're a candidate, you don't want to be treated like you're a piece of raw meat and just a resume also. You, you know, when you're dealing with a kid, this is their life. This is highly strategic. This is not, you know, this is not a transaction at all. So you need to be able to treat people at a strategic level also. And, 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 and so I think bringing that mindset is really what differentiates my brand of search. That's very interesting. Um, there's no doubt that a business looking at a hiring situation from the standpoint of what is the business need, starting from that, that's just organic, is brilliant. I really love your point of view on that, Don. So tell me what that looks like. How does that, how do you, how do you bring that kind of thinking when you're dealing with, uh, in engaging with candidates and, and how can candidates bring themselves to you in that, in that mindset? What, what does that look like? Well, Candidates don't typically bring themselves to me. Um, it's not the way we work. Uh, you know, one of the differentiators in the marketplace between contingency search and retained search or committed search, as I call it, which is what we do, um, is we tend to be going after the passive candidate, uh, which means I'm not posting a job and then fielding calls and resumes from people who are applying. We're going right. looking strategically at who do we think could be a fit for this? Which doesn't mean that people can't approach me. People should approach me. People, you know, should get to know me, and people should be getting to know me actively. And you know, me, I'm saying sort of in a bigger holistic sense. You know, the recruiter of their, the recruiter or recruiters of their choice, they should be developing a relationship with. Um, you know, just just like we develop a relationship with our attorney. You know, you do that before you have the need. You want to have someone who you can trust to work with. Your accountant, same. I think it makes sense to figure out because. 
you know, once, once we establish that barrier to entry and the bar is that low, it really makes sense to do some due diligence up front and be sure who it is you want to align yourself with in advance. And then beyond that, if, if we call you and you don't know us, then you have to sort of figure out, um, you know, am I somebody you want to talk to? But we tend to go after passive candidates. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're likely call, calling you. And, 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 and my sense is if we call you, once you get an understanding of what we represent, that we're retained, we own the search exclusively, whoever's going to get the job is going to get it through us, um, you then have to make a decision, you know, are we a resource that you want to talk with and confide in and trust? Um, and even if you're not the right person for the search, do you want to begin to develop a relationship and get to know me from a perspective of, well, if this isn't the right search, even though we thought it might be, maybe tomorrow the phone will ring and I'll have the right search for you then. Hmm. So how would you talk, so considering that uh, people watching or listening to this podcast are candidates, are executives in transition or thinking about transition, so they maybe are beginning that active process um, or they're uh, passive and they got this from you or me and like stirring up their interest. How do they go about ascertaining whether or not uh, to spend time with you or with other recruiters, like uh, how would you guide them in dealing with recruiters? Look, I, I, I think, you know, my rules to the road are pretty simple. Um, now, and, and, and I'm sort of addressing a fairly senior significant, you know, level of, yeah. so, you know, the, 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 the basic rules I think make sense from entry level on up, but I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking middle. I'm talking about pre, you know, senior man, senior level leadership up to, up to very senior leadership. So talking about, you know, high, high end, high level VPs, you know, often EVPs or C level uh, candidates running different functional areas. Uh, so I think, look, no, 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 number one, um, be real. Uh, don't, 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 don't try to sell me. Um, you know, be, be candid and tell me who you are, what you really represent. Um, you know, I want to know, you know, three core things from you when I'm talking to you. Number one, what do you love doing and what do you feel you do best? Number two, um, where are you in your career and where do you want to see that career go? And number three is, um, you know, if, 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 if you've got your own checklist of the things that you want to find in an opportunity, what are the things that are on your checklist? And I want to mm -hmm. talk about that general environment outside of the search I'm working on even. And, 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 you know, and, and then I want to figure out how do we make those things apply and, and, and do they apply to the search that I'm, that I'm working on? But in me getting to know you, that, that's really, you know, I mean, you know, I can ask the question that way, or I can ask it a hundred different ways, but those are the three main things I really want to understand. And, you know, and, and, and I think the more candid you can be as a, uh, as a candidate on all three of them, you know, the, 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 the better off you are. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, one, one of the things that I've seen, Jonathan, that, that, that's changed in the last 15 years dramatically uh, is um, prior to, the last recession, the 2008 recession, we lived in an environment where being a jack of all trades was a good thing. You know, all right, you know, yeah, you know, you know operations and you know finance. And so if I'm hiring you to be my VP of sales, it's great because I get all this other stuff. 
something happened you know in, in that recession and 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 we started to worship at the altar of the sme and you know and so today the jack of all trades getting three for the price of one doesn't feel good because we really want to get that one subject matter expert we want to get real expertise so you know when, when i talk about representing your passion and what you feel you're good at don't be this wide, you know. Uh, you know, I know you can do lots of things, but often, and especially when it's a it's it's a, it's an executive search or retained search, clients are not looking for someone who can do something; they're looking for someone who has done something. And yeah. letters difference, but it's it may be subtle, but it's it, it's significant. So tell me what you've done, you know. And then when it comes to your career path, tell me what kind of challenges you're still seeking or what you're looking for. Because you know you 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 you're not necessarily looking for something that's whole home exactly the same as what I've done before mm -hmm. at a bigger scale. Maybe it's in a little bit of a different industry. Maybe it's at the next level. You, you, you know, but tell yeah. me, tell me where you are and be and be real about it. Yeah, that really put, uh, hits the nail on the head. That's great, Don. Well, let's uh, let's get real specific about some things that. Uh, you know, candidly, you know, I just realized, by the way, while we're talking that you can't spell candidate without candid. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get real straight about some of the things that candidates should and shouldn't do at the high level that we'd be surprised. You know, like what's the what's the dumb? Let me just straight out ask you, what's the dumbest thing you've you've seen an intelligent candidate do in the process? Um. Uh, you know, the single dumbest thing I've ever had a candidate do was I, I was working on a leadership level search for a food company that mm -hmm. I'll be nameless. Um, but uh, the candidate went in and did an interview and confided and confessed uh, with the VP of HR that she hated their food. <laughs> which, which, which didn't really work out well because one of the things this client of mine was very passionate about was people who were passionate about their food and bringing right. this to the world. And you know, and, and and so that was sort of a nail a nail in the coffin of someone who was otherwise very very qualified. So you know, yeah, and 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 that you know, being honest. I'm sure that informed the rest of your your preps. <laughs> huh? Excuse me. I'm sure that informed any future preparations. You know? Yes, but, but, I think, but I think the point is, is that being open and honest and candid is not an excuse for having diarrhea of the mouth. There's some things that you still mm. should not be saying and, 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 and you have to be smart. You always, more than anything else, you have to right. be smart. Why? Well, that's a great lead to my next question. What's the smartest thing you've seen candidates do through the process? What's a, what had you go like, wow, that was a great move. You know, you you had mentioned that to me last week is one of the things you you know you might want to think about and talk about and I I, I don't know that I have an answer for that because I okay. you know I I think at a senior level this isn't about interviewing tricks um, yeah you know it's it it really just it needs to be a win win it really you know and a win win based on integrity not based on how I want to spin it necessarily which is not to say that you should spin it to the best um, best angle possible for yourself. But I think you, you, you wanna be real and, and, and you don't wanna be selling yourself into something that isn't right for you because you're so hungry for the quest or something like that. So look, I, 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 I think, you know, be really well prepared. You know, we, we, we live in a world today where 
um, where, where there's no excuse to walk in and ask questions you could find in 30 seconds on the website. So thinking about what kind of questions can I ask that actually show that I'm serious, I'm intelligent, I've done my homework, I'm prepared, um, and I'm perceptive. I mean, those are all, I think, really powerful, uh, you know, descriptors that you want to be able to demonstrate. So yeah. be prepared to ask great questions that show that you're serious about it, too, and that you've put in the effort of, of, of thinking. And beyond that, I, I, I think it's about being real. I think it's about being honest, um, you, you, you know, and, and, and again, part of the great you know, fortune of, 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 of a lot of what I do is I'm working with candidates who are not in between jobs more often than not. By the way, there are many who do retain search who won't talk to people at the work. I'm, I'm not prepared to go to that, to that length. I, I, you know, I think that there are diamonds everywhere. And just because you're in between jobs doesn't mean that you're not terrific. So I'm willing to give a listen, but in general, you know, at any point in time, 85% of the population is not out looking for a job. And those people, you know, or at least 50% of them are succeeding at what they're doing. And so, you know, there's a big piece of the population that's successful. And when I'm talking to someone who has a job, um, they're, you know, it, it has to be a win-win or else they should be in a position to say no. And that's actually a wonderful backup for me because I'm not worried about telling them too much information so they know how to do the interview the right way to say the right things. Because if they're doing that, they're being foolish. Um, you know, yeah, funny. You know, you know, half of the win-win is the candidate side of it. It's got to be a win for the candidate. You want to be, you know, you want to be in a culture that's going to welcome you. You want to be in an environment that rewards you the way you want to be, be, be rewarded. You want to have a role that has meat to it that you want to have you know, for you to represent yourself in any other way doesn't make sense. So, so I, I, look, I, I think being well prepared, um, I mean, I do have, I, 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 I can go through with you sort of my process for preparing for an interview and the kind of things and the rules that I think about, but I think being well prepared and being prepared to show your passion are, are, are sort of the two, the two keys to success at, at, for a high level interview. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we'll go through the whole process here, but what's one or two elements of that process? I mean, already something you've said, being prepared, that's a common piece of advice, but being prepared to show your passion. No one's quite said it that way, Don. That's really some of the your secret sauce that I'd love to underscore. Are there any other aspects of yours, you know, like what's really worked for the high level candidates you've placed or some aspects, one or two aspects of your process that our yep. viewers are going to be like, our listeners are going to be like, wow, I'm so glad I listened to this part, you know, yep. 20 minutes in. Here's, 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 I think, the most important thing I could say to you. And, and um, you know, it's, 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 it's simple, but I think this is, the, this is the, the, the key to me. And this is how I prep every single candidate that I work with before they go in for an interview. You know, go through the spec. Understand and evaluate what it is they're looking for. Make sure you understand what they are looking for. And in, in my parlance, I think, identify and make a list of what you think are the must-have attributes of the candidate that they're looking for from the spec. And then from that list, your best preparation is for you to figure out what are the things I must tell about the must-haves about me mm -hmm. in order to succeed in the interview. And yeah. so 
you know, if, 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 if you can figure out how to distill the must-tells to four or five examples and stories that you can tell that illustrate that you have the key attributes that they're looking for, you know, that gives you the basis for what you want to say and you're prepared for the interview. So many people walk in and they don't have a sense of what they must tell versus what they would like to tell if they have the opportunity. And, you know, for, to, to, to me, if you have a one hour interview, which is a typical first interview, you're going to talk for approximately 35 or 40 minutes out of that hour. You know, the clients, the, candidate, the executive is going to talk for some of the time and answer some of your questions. So if, if, if you have 35 minutes and you've got 10 must-tells, you know, and you figure the, 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 the client may have some questions that are not on your must-tell list but are on their must-find-out list, you know, so you only have 20 minutes that you know that you have to play with for sure. Well, then you know you can't spend more than two minutes on each one of the 10. If you have four things on your list, well, then you have more time, obviously, or even better, if in telling one story, you can knock off four or five of them on that list, well, then you have more time to develop it. But the biggest mistake a candidate can make is, um, is either, number one, asking too many questions on the first round interview, because if you're not talking for close to two-thirds of the time on that, you know, they haven't, had an, they haven't had enough opportunity to really understand who you are. You may think you made a great connection, but if they did more of the talking than you did, well, then you haven't accomplished. This is on round one. And, and, you know, third round, very, very different format, very different scenario, but qualifying yourself up front, your objective is to be invited back a second time. And so you want to be talking two-thirds of the time. And you want to make sure that when you walk out of that room, you can say to yourself, I gave it my best. I told them all the things that I knew they needed to know to know who I am. Because to me, if I'm sending you into an interview and I know you're a great candidate, the worst result is for you to come back and say, man, if only I'd had a chance to tell them this and this and that, it would have gone so much better. Because then we wasted the opportunity. If you walk out and say, man, I, there's no way in the world I'd ever work for that company, you know, I'm pretty good. That's rarely going to happen, but you know, I'm not perfect. That's possible. You know, more likely I want you to walk out and say, holy cow, we really hit it out of the ballpark. But at least I want you to say, you know what? I gave it my best. Now it's all about, am I the right person for them? Because if you gave it your best, we didn't leave anything on the table and all's good. Yeah, it's really clear, Don. And um, really measuring how much time to take in telling a story and having people prepare. And even I even suggest people practice telling their stories so that the stories are uh, comfortable in the time. Like you just said, there's a mathematical calculation to make. And would you even encourage people, may I, may I just interrupt on one thing, to interrupt if they need to say, would it be all right if I convey something that I don't want to leave this room having uh, left behind as a story? Is it okay with people if they politely interrupt? Look, look I, I think, um, and I apologize for interrupting you. Uh, but <laughs> it I, demonstrates I, I, it. I, I think that um, you have to show that you're prepared to listen. And one of, the, one of the biggest negatives on an interview is somebody who came in with a prepared list of things to talk about. And damn it, no matter what you ask me, I'm telling you about what I was prepared to tell you. Uh, you know, and, and no matter what I ask, they're bringing it back to their agenda. That's not, that's not a good sign. That's, yeah. boy, that's, a, that's a red flag. So I think you have that's to sad. be careful. It, it, you know, it, it, it has to fit. But certainly if, if, if you get to the end of the, um, the interview and you think there's one really important point 
for you, for you to say, listen, I know we're wrapping up, but there's one area we didn't explore. And to me, this was a critical success factor that I wanted to go over with you. Can you give me two or three more minutes just to, just to open up this one door? And then if you want to go further, I'm happy to stick around longer. I think you know, there's a subtle way to ask permission to, um, to, you know, to, to, to introduce that that hasn't been introduced in the, fast, in the past, in, in the previous part of the interview. And that's the way to do it. Ask permission to do it. That shows sensitivity. But, um, that's, brilliant. that's brilliant. What I was, gonna, what I was interrupting you, you on before was, was to make a little bit of a different point. It is that to a certain extent, when you're the candidate and you're going in for an interview, it's your responsibility to make sure that the interview goes well. Because um, for you, you have to bat a thousand. You're the only one that matters. You have to succeed. For the client, they're going to interview five or six people. If it doesn't go well with you, they got four or five others to interview. It's okay. If they screw it up, they'll shake their head and say, boy, I could have done better. I'll do better on the other five. It's okay. So what does that mean? It sort of means that you got to work to keep it on track. Um, and and you know, I've been on interviews where the client wasn't well prepared and they were happier talking than I was. And I know that that's not an effective recipe for getting, you know, for, 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 you know, for, for getting interest. And so you have to draw, you know, then you have to try to draw them into your agenda subtly, not, you know, not, not, not too strong handed, but, but you got to be able to get the opportunity to address your points. Hmm. Yeah, there's a nuance there for sure of uh, making sure to uh, hit your agenda, hit the points, your success stories, but also listening and following it's a real dance. It's a real dance of leadership. Um, it, 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 it very much is. And you have to figure out who's leading the dance at what point, at what points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at, which, at some point, if I can put in my two cents on this moment, at some points of the interview to be following the leader of the interviewer and at other times leading the conversation demonstrating leadership and demonstrating your ability to guide a conversation. So there's a back and forth I'm hearing in your, in your description and it's just dynamite. I, I particularly like the way you've described the verbiage of, of asking that permission. My last question to you before we maybe just cover a couple of personal things. Is there any other like really good verbiage aspects, you know, um, like when you just said, uh, uh, you just demonstrated the verbiage of asking permission, you said, uh, before we go, I've got one more success story I'd really like to, to to share with you. Do I have another two or three minutes to open that door? What's another common thing you've recommended people uh, express, and, and how do you recommend they say it? Yep. Um, look, this this is um, this is another pillar of the advice that I give when I prep people, and it's something that will carry over into your and my conversation about how to prepare a resume. Because I think, you know, what is a resume? A, 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 a resume is your, your, your entry point to get somebody to be interested enough to invite you in so that they can ask you more, more questions. Um, and so, um, so I think that all too often the candidate is, is, is full of features and talks about features and features and features and forgets that selling and interviewing is selling, Jonathan. Selling yeah. It's not about features. It's about benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a subtle difference between them, but it's real. So what does that mean? It means that you need to be prepared, especially at leadership levels, whatever the role is, you need to be prepared to discuss how you've had an impact that's resulted in ROI. You know, you've either saved the company money 
or you've made the company money. Those are the only two possibilities, and you gotta be able to address how you've done one or both, no matter what the role is. Um, and, 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 and it's critical. So it's, it's, it's not good, if you're, if you're a CFO candidate, it's not good enough to list a bullet point that says, I negotiate bank lines of credit, for example. You need to be able to say, negotiates bank lines of credit substantially below market, therefore resulting in millions of dollars in interest savings per year. Uh, and I really, I, I went through that discussion with a friend of mine who's a CFO who, who put a resume together and I challenged him at that point. I said, Abe, so what? And, and I, so what do you negotiate bank lines of credit? And that's what he said to me. He says, what do you mean somebody was indignant? I negotiate lines of credit that save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I said, Abe, exactly. That's exactly what your resume needs to say. That's exactly, you have to tell them the so what. You don't tell them the feature, you tell them what it, why it mattered. And if you can, you give it a metric so that it's quantifiable as well. And, then, yeah. and, and on the resume, you wanna puff out your chest and claim every bit of turf you possibly can without being untruthful. Um, it's not the place to be humble because you want someone to say, I can't believe that guy saved them. $800,000 year expense, that's impossible. I gotta talk to them and find out how. Because if they ask you that question, then holy cow, you just hit the Grand Slam home run. Now you're telling your story all the way. You got, you know, and you know what his buying uh, criteria are. So, you know, you, you've, so if you can do that in your presentation as, as well as in your resume, and by the way, you use the resume to set the table so that they ask you the questions that you're best prepared to answer. So, you know, that's the purpose of that first half page of real estate, in my mind, at least, in the resume that, that you're <laughs> Claim that. I know in, in your format, it's the first half and the left side, but uh, yeah. either. No, it's the first half. The left side yeah. is, uh, is uh, eye-catching. And the, 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 uh, it's, I, I love that you use the word real estate. I use the same word for referencing the page on the resume. There's so much we could more talk, so much more we could talk about, Don. There's so there's uh, there's no doubt in my mind you have a great passion for the work you do, for the the um, difference you make for the companies and for the candidates you represent. And um, I have one last question before I say uh, good good day. Uh, tell me your favorite rock and roll band and, and why. Oh man. Um... <laughs> I don't know that I can put it into one. It sort of depends on the on 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 the, on the mood. So, strand on a desert island today. You can bring one record, and then you'll be rescued tomorrow. What would you bring? Um, I bring Harry Chapin's "Better Place to Be." Nice. That's really good. Uh, really good. My 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 favorite my favorite song of all time. Although you know, "Stairway to Heaven" wouldn't would 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 work pretty well too. Yeah. Yeah, very good. All right, Don, thank you so much uh, for your passion, for your inf insights and information. We'll see you around uh, very soon. Bye for now. All right, so long. Thank you for listening to the Career Transition Experts. Please make sure to listen to our next episode. And if at any time you want a clear view of the entire career transition process and a sense of where your strengths are and where your challenges are to work on, You'll get your free access to my career TPS assessment at careerexcitement.com. That's www.careerexcitement.com. TPS stands for Transition Performance Snapshot. This is Jonathan Flax wishing you outstanding career success and satisfaction in balance. Looking forward. Bye for now.